Welcome to Finding My Yam, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. And we are your hosts. And today, we are thrilled to have Dominus Aris here to talk all about the male multi-orgasmic experience. Um, which is super amazing. I've been talking a lot about wanting to bring on experts and people to talk about male orgasm, male anatomy. Uh, and we had Dr. Chris Christensen last week that brought out the diagrams and models and talked all about the penis, uh, prostate, etc. And um, this week we talk about multi-orgasmic male, uh, which is just more than um, ejaculation, which is amazing. And, yeah, and definitely I was something like, that needs to be chatted about. <laughs> I was like, this is interesting. I should be taking notes. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, exactly. I didn't know that that, that that was a thing. Cool. So, yeah, you know, I found it very interesting, especially to have yeah. that perspective, because as you had mentioned, like, that's been a push for a little bit is to get uh, more male identifying people to come on and, and give and share their journey, but also kind of their knowledge and stuff. And so it was really great to hear his perspective and what he had learned. Yeah. 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 I think it's been, um, you know, it, it's been interesting because I feel like my network is a lot of women. And so uh, it's been harder to find. But this was so cool. And I feel like all people can uh, enjoy this. And also, you know, if you are in a partnership with a, a penis having person, like this is just so useful to know. Like we just don't talk about it a lot. Yeah. And, and and everybody deserves to have multi-layered, multi-orgasmic pleasure. <laughs> Very <laughs> In true. In my book. Um, Very true. Yeah. But before we get to that, we wanted to just touch base on everything opening uh, and reopening very soon. June 15th in, in California and in L.A., everything is supposed to be open, like back to normal-ish. Uh, I don't even know what fucking normal is, but open uh, to full capacity. And that is so crazy to me. I'm just like, I don't know. My yeah. brain can't wrap around it. Yeah, it's it, it it is still very weird. Actually, that we didn't talk about this off mic, but I'm curious, and maybe you have an answer. Um, you know, I think mm. you know one of the things that I've enjoyed about uh, being here and, and checking stuff out is like, oh, there's all these outdoor extensions of restaurants. Like, I think it's I like outdoor seating. Oh yeah. Do you, do you think that that's gonna stick around? I was just saying this last night, and I don't know because they are taking up part of the road right. and so I think that the city is going to clamp down on it which sucks because oh, like yeah. especially for summer it's such a it's so fun and a lot of restaurants have done a really beautiful job um, some have taken over their parking lots so I wonder if those will stay right we we talked to a restaurant last night who um, said that it, it it's all based on city regulation and whether they let them continue so it feels like it would be silly to not but you know i don't know the mechanics of city planning and and traffic is so terrible so you know i can't i can't speak to that but but i do think it's cool they should give us the summer at least and then and then you know like we're gonna get into the winter and then it's like well covid like knock on wood we want to make sure it's completely gone so let's keep doing the outdoor stuff for a while and yeah I, i feel like another year come on la yeah a year of outside dining would be great. I know. I'm fine with that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting as things open up. I've had a couple experiences now being fully vaxxed, and my partner is fully vaxxed, that, uh, you know, we've been around some other people. We went to a baby shower um, that was still outdoors, and... Uh, being around people is so like I am such an extrovert and right now I have no idea what to say to any other human I'm like like I've lost all of my talking skills <laughs> despite what it might seem like on this podcast but yeah um, I have a yeah. friend who went out to drinks for the first time last night and she was saying that uh it was like she, I was like, how did it go? And she said, well, it was mostly just me being like, I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe we're here. It's like, yeah, I think that uh, you got you to, the first like five to six times you're around other people is just talking about how weird this year was. Yeah. And that's okay. We're all feeling it. I just think it's bizarre. You know, I'm like, I'm, I have less tolerance, I think, for, for also just like asking bullshit questions and kind of like, I don't know. Like, I just don't. 
I don't feel the need to to avoid silences and to keep conversations going as much anymore. And I wonder if that'll come back as, you know, I get more comfortable in front of people again. But I, there is just like, I feel like I'm just talking a lot less and that just feels like I'm rude. Like people are going to interpret that mm. I'm not like a nice person because I'm not like, ah, blah, 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 hey, let me tell you about myself, you know, whatever. And yeah. and it, But it does seem like people want to talk about themselves more. So I'm just listening because they that just, makes... like you ask one question and they just like go. That's great. <laughs> uh, real quick, that reminded me what you were saying there about I went to an improv, not improv, I went to a stand up comedy show, oh. um, an outdoors one, masked, whatever. And uh, and it was interesting because a number of the stamps were like, this is my first show I've done since the pandemic has started. And every single one of them kind of addressed this like my my bits before the pandemic don't make sense like they're 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 not they're not appropriate for this audience because that's not what we're talking about anymore and i know you guys don't really want to hear more COVID jokes but it's the only thing that has happened for the past (laughs) year and so i mean i think that that gets to sort of like the conversations are the same way it's like my old go-to topics like what about college basketball it's like who (laughs) who cares yeah it's also like yeah the the experience is different like yeah it's it's bizarre. I'm finding it bizarre, but I keep coming into to um to meet people or be around people who seem very excited about it. And and I'm like, "Good for you." I <laughs> I have mixed emotions. It yeah. just feels like a lot. My system is like on over yeah. overdrive. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, well, we'd love to hear how you are feeling and how you're feeling with um, everything opening back up. Uh, so send us an email, slide into those DMs, uh, and enjoy this episode with Dominus Eros. Woohoo! Yay! Welcome to Finding My Yum. I'm so excited today. We have Dominus Eros here, uh, a professional sacred intimate dom and sex intimacy educator. Dominus founded and runs social groups Daddy Retreat and Pagan's Paradise, where they host educational workshops, events, and parties in both person and online, solely online during the pandemic for public safety. He has 15 years experience in massage therapy, tantra, BDSM, and sex intimacy education that get infused in all the private work and group-led activities. The groups are inclusive and always work towards having the safest possible containers for all to come learn and play. Uh, Thank you so much for taking your time to be here. It's so exciting to connect with you. Yes, thank you. And thank you for that great introduction. It covered everything perfectly. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Yeah, and so it's so fun. We're connected through Val, who I'm obsessed with. Um, She was just recently on the podcast, and she couldn't say enough amazing things about you. Um, Whoa, getting praise. I got some (laughs) stuff to live up to, I guess. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so so I'd love to dive right in. Um, Obviously, you do a lot of amazing different um, classes and and offerings and so I'd love to just chat about how how you came to even do this work and and what your journey was to get to this point Um, we're eventually going to get into uh, something super exciting which is the multi-orgasmic male tantric body release uh, because I've been super interested in talking about um, other orgasmic opportunities for penis having people and you are the guy Um, so so yeah so so I'd love to to begin with like how you got into this work and and what your journey your your own like sexual journey has been sure uh how far back we want to go um <laughs> no, well no, i'm, I'm always interested in like what your upbringing was and what the yes. the, the messaging around sex um because i always think it's fascinating to hear like you know where did where did things start like what's the the impetus and sort of the seed that's planted that then transforms into this other work so definitely not what I went to college for initially. <laughs> I did go, yeah, went back to school for things which I'll tap into a second later. The one thing I always mention in my classes, and it's very evident across all the work that I do, and even my one-on-one work and working with thousands of people, and like the math is there. I had to, the other day, I'm like, yeah, I have literally worked with thousands of people by this point, wow. is that I grew up with privilege. And mm-hmm. it was a sexual privilege, and it was a love privilege, and it was an open privilege, and it was a non-judgmental privilege. And I'm very aware of that. And I think the thing that a lot of, especially these days, and we're talking about people owning their privilege, but then using that 
in a way to help others. Yeah. And I didn't realize back then what my parents were giving me, the gift they were giving me, was something that I can later use to pass that forward to other people. Mm. I grew up in a household where my parents told me that I can have sex in my room because it was safer than outside. Oh, wow. I was told okay. to treat my partners with respect. Don't talk trash about them. Don't talk about your sexual stuff. Obviously, I might have violated talking about sexual stuff because all I do is talk about my sexual stuff. Sure. <laughs> but in a way that obviously was not disparaging another person, right? They wanted me to treat people mm. with respect. I could have multiple partners and that wasn't an issue as long as I was honest with the multiple partners. Yeah. And this is before poly, I'm, listen, I'm 40 years old. We're talking about an age where dial-up wasn't even a thing yet, right? It, yeah. it was just starting to, to <laughs> sure. <laughs> for any sure. of those who but were old enough. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> the idea that I didn't have a lot of outward information, I was pretty much given what was at local access, yeah. right? Local access is whatever media I might've had at the time. Uh, my parents, my family, I mean, I'm Brazilian, Puerto Rican in heritage. I was born here. And whenever I go to Brazil, that side of my family was very open about sex, very mm. open about nudity, things of that nature, not being a big deal. You know, it's, there are some puritanical folks there who are very religious, don't get it wrong, but they do have a different view than we do here. I mean, look at the bikini wear and things like that. It right, was right, obviously right. very, very much forward and everyone started copying that, you know? Yeah. And so, and my Puerto Rican side, you get hit or miss. You got some Puerto Rican folks who are very religious and then those mm -hmm. who aren't. So the ones who aren't super religious, again, sexuality, sex, being sexy, those are sort of the things that's intertwined within the culture. And yeah. so it's an acceptance in there. Now, this is not to say that there aren't misogynistic issues and that there aren't things sure. in those realms which I'm also double happy with both how my father and my mother wanted me to respect my lovers. And they didn't care if I was straight, gay or whatever. Like, hey, are you having happy times? You know, are there people that you're having a good time with? Are you feeling fun, safe? Any questions I had about sexuality? They didn't give me stupid birds and the bees. You know, sure. they literally- Yeah, they were honest. They gave honest, gave me yeah. real information. Hey, do you need, do you need condoms? Here are condoms. My parents mm -hmm. would give me fucking condoms. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, so it was all kinds of stuff like, and they're probably wondering what's he doing in the bathroom for an hour and a half. Yeah. Probably jerking off in the bathroom for a while. So as, <laughs> one does. Me, as one does, I mean, what else am I, what else are you doing in the bathroom? It does not take an hour to take a shit. I mean, I'll no, tell you that right not. now. No. So, you know, I was allowed freedoms. I was allowed to express, I was allowed to enjoy. And that initial seed that was planted really developed mm. further along. And I was the oldest of my friends. So a lot of like being the wise person, people come, you Got know, it. my friends would come up to me, questions about the relationship or whatever. It seemed that it started back then that I was a, you know, you person to talk to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I hate that word though, by the way, don't call me a guru. Oh gosh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's not your fault. It, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it, that's also a transition I'm trying to do in my current craft is getting away from, um, um, idolization and worship uh -huh. and of instructors. We see problems all over the place with different cults. I didn't want to get me started on yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I think yeah. language is so unbelievably important and the specificity and yes. intention around it. So no, I, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely someone who is of the craft, has mastered a lot of things. Someone who's a master student, learning. I'm a teacher, of course, instructor. I guess coach can sometimes fit but basically someone who holds space at the end of the day yeah. uh, with my experience, but my friends and things of that nature, and I would be open with my heart and my emotions. So I was easy to talk to and I wasn't very judgmental. Mm -hmm. Now, not to say that you couldn't, everyone is judgmental to some degree. I mean, Correct. if we're all honest with our stuff. Yeah, yeah, we and all have so our own baggage. We all have our own stuff because mm -hmm. we carry it from everyone else around us, right? The baggage yeah. that never gets dropped. <laughs> <laughs> but um, essentially I was someone who, was easy to talk to for a very long time. And then when my work shifted from whatever it was, I was trying to find myself to then realizing, ooh, massage therapy was a thing. And then it just kept climbing from there, which I'll dive a little more into. But at the end of the day, everywhere I worked, I was always someone that people would talk to. It was always in some kind of crew leader position or leadership mm -hmm. type position. And I was open and people really enjoyed working with me for that reason. The fact that I wasn't that dragon, but also responsible, right? It was that fine line and hey, you got an issue. Let's talk about it. Let's see yeah. what we can do, see what we can move. And a lot of that, again, was patience for my parents, my mother's openness for sure, my father as well. And the ability to talk to them as easy as I could meant that I had that in me and that if someone would approach me, I would have that same mindset with them. 
Yeah. Hey, you got something to talk about? Let's talk about it. Let's be honest about it. But what's ailing you? You know, you know what's working and such and such. So it was definitely a thing that I was gifted early on from my parents for sure. Did you ever ask them, you know, what what their experience was or how they decided to cultivate that kind of environment? Because I yes. I agree that's so unique and and amazing. And I don't often hear people describing an upbringing like that. No, very, very unique. Um, my dad grew up in the hippie era for the most part, right? Okay. And so his his brothers and siblings were kind of hippie-ish, right? Uh, my mother grew up on a farm, but essentially was very open in, you know, the Brazilian aspect of it. She was a Brazilian one. My dad's Puerto Rican. Oh, okay. Um, however, yes to different for them. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Highly different. Um, my grandmother, she's like Pentecostal. Um, okay. I'm not sure if you're very familiar with that. I'm not. Um, so it's very religious, very much everything's a sin, no drinking, dance, all that stuff, right? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So ultra, the you know, ultra conservative. yeah, fire, sin, all that stuff, right? Brimstone. And so all the, all, yeah, all of it. <laughs> and so all the siblings, a bunch of them became atheists or very much super superficial when it came to the religious culture. Oh, how funny. Because like, of that total upbringing. Rejection. Mm -hmm. Total rejection. Makes you sense. can't, re you can't, I mean, we all know this. You can't do that to people. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't put the, the full mitts on them and say you can never escape that. And it's just, people are going to push away, uh, away from that. Yeah. Uh, my mother was given, I, I wouldn't say they were conservative too much for parents. Um, but again, it's farm life. So most farm lives, you know, it's not as, I guess, quote unquote, progressive, let's say city life um, to some degrees. Sure. Like she still had to grow up as a, as a woman right and that's you know we know what came with that so her brothers can be more adventurous whereas she couldn't be as adventurous yeah but it wasn't super stifled either like her mm. parents were still pretty good with her about that and she was able to talk about sex and be open with me and when she came to america um so that was a whole thing like she got immersed into the culture here sure. and so the combination of the two kind of melded what was going to happen for me from yeah. her. so they they, diff they they definitely had different backgrounds than i did yeah but the coming together offered new space for me which is great and which is what i'm passing down to my kids you know offering them that space yeah. offering them that opportunity to be free and learn at every age and be honest with whatever journey seeking yeah. they have yeah so that, there's a bit of that history that um i'm fortunate for yeah, that's amazing. And so then um, you said you had an original career path, but then transitioned into this this work. So what what was the moment that that really um, incited that that transition and that decision to to pursue something different or, or to, to, I guess, pursue what you had just been naturally doing <laughs> since you were young? Yeah, I mean, my college years were trying to figure stuff out. Also, my mother is an immigrant, so she's like, you got to be lawyer, doctor, that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> got it. Yeah. So that was like a, a big push. Like, you know, we're in America. You got to grab the biggest dreams that you can. Yeah. And so I was about to walk into law school. I was literally in, just had a moment where I don't think I can walk in and just didn't go. My parents wanted to do a combination of choke stab because they're like all this effort and time and whatever assistance they had given early on, right? Yeah. Like, so what are you gonna do with your life? I was like, I wanted to be an actor. That was literally my one major dream. And they said, they don't want me to be a, a, a server for the rest of my life. So yeah. I was working as a server and odd jobs, whatever, right? And during yeah. my college years. So I was like, all right, I did some soul searching for a minute. Then I got into this place where there were massage therapists and I was like, ooh, they're making some pretty good money. I've always been told that I was good with my hands. I did side gigs as a personal trainer, you know, just to make some extra money. I was always a gym rat, essentially. So I was like, all right, let me go down this route and go with my hands, try it out. Immediately fell into it, went to the best school in, this, in New York City and was really good. I was one of the top requested therapists in Manhattan. Oh, wow. Um, for one of the top the top spot i don't want to give away names but i was sure. that's where i was right uh, during that period of time and i could say that easily because i literally was the most requested person at that yeah. space so yeah. it's, it's not I, patting myself on the back it's just i was a hard worker i enjoyed my yeah. craft and i wanted to learn i wanted to be better i was also very different than a lot of folks because i would be same mindset open with my clients talking with them sure and then obviously there were slight influences some private work where they would be like hey you should try tantra I, was, I had one client who was very into that. 
you can't really do at that kind of spa sensual erotic work. But in my private off time, where people who were like sort of curious on that, and I was like, all right, I'm sort of an open book with that. Where can we do this? Where the language makes sense, where the consent is there, the mutual desire is there. Mm -hmm. And that took a little bit of navigating because there's no school for that. You know, I had no understanding of any of that. And I was like, hey, I don't want to harm nobody. I don't know how to do this language. I don't know how to, it just, how how does this go about, right? Like there's no, there's no one to talk to you about these kind of things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so you have to, and it's my early 20s. I've been at this for 15 years. So it's like, you have to figure this stuff out. Eventually you do. You eventually have some folks who have had that work from other therapists and they give you their experience. And they say, oh, I love your energy, love your work. So then Tantra got introduced. Once that got introduced, it changed the game for me. Yeah, that really was a catalyst. And so Tantra comes in a lot of different forms from what I understand and and people utilize it in different ways. So for you and and the sensual sexual work that you're talking about incorporating, what what does that look like um, as you begin? Because obviously it manifests and grows. um, But I'm curious, like, yeah, what, what does that actually look like? So I leaned on a few things, right? So I understood from my own sexual history what sensual touch was, what erotic touch was. I mean, those things you kind of sort of figuring out in your journey, right? Yeah. And learning from other people. It was a group that I kind of got intertwined with a little bit was Body Electric mm. uh, via some of the people who practiced it. I never attended one of their things, but I worked with folks who did. And so I'm very pick, quick to le- pick things up. Like I'm a quick learner. Um, I learn on the fly and then I adapt whatever prior history and knowledge I have to that new craft and it, it mixes everything I've put into my pool just becomes that pool right and I can borrow anything I want from there to apply towards what the person would need when I'm working with sure. and I was always very client-centered guest-centered and always about their specific needs regardless of the little boxes that each window of let's say Thai massage or western therapy between uh, all of that there are very small frames of where they want their things to live in order to call it that. I hated that. Mm-hmm. I was always like, hey, I can make a fusion based upon what the person needs. I could right. borrow a little from this, a little from that. So I was able to pull from that pool and resource and then just kept building and it kept building. And then more people that come across my way were more teachers for me because I learned from them. I learned from their bodies. I learned from their experiences, mm-hmm. what was working, what wasn't working. Then with another group that I got involved with, which is an all-male group, they were teaching events and classes. And I'm like, I'm really good at some of this touch stuff. I can do some of this with you. Um, And because of, I guess, my acting background in terms of able to speak easy, (laughs) I'm not shy, I'm open because of my craft on the one-on-one, I applied it towards just a group. And then I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with it at the same time with that group with BDSM. Uh, mm. being a uh, dom feeling that energy mm-hmm. and how did that manifest mm-hmm. and it came from a sensual place as mm-hmm. opposed to one of pure dominance so sensual dominance became something that got adapted to my craft then uh, kinky tantra so mixing in bdsm kink with tantra became born from that idea of fusing things mm-hmm. and so i started to widen the gap and then just basic sex education started coming around more because more folks were asking me one-on-one stuff yeah. and the class is based around that and it's like one stop of the trains they you know train travel kept leading to the next sure. it really is a full history of crafts being built from my curiosities to what i was good at to what people uh, requested and said hey you're really good at that yeah and then just being pushed further to be creative in that realm yeah, and so I'm wondering, like, was this um, was this a personal journey as much as it, it became, like, a part of the work that you were doing and 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 how you were you were, you were making a living, you know, um, like in this male group was was this part of like the work like were you working as a dom were you just enjoying figuring out that part of your yourself and exploring that part of yourself like what how was it manifesting and and what what were the pieces that were kind of lighting up in you that made it something you were interested in continuing so that's bridging a gap between my personal desire interests slash what's my professional desire interests and those things in terms of how they come about do intertwine quite often in terms because i'm not going to do something that i have zero interest in sure 
right? I'm not going to build a career around something that I hate <laughs> or something that just does yeah. not sit well with me, doesn't resonate, something that I don't feel I can add to it. Yeah. So my personal interests definitely were intertwined with a lot of that. My sexual journey was definitely one that went back and forth. Mm. My first early experience sexually was with boys, mm. like when I was a young boy. You know, playing doctor in quotes, right? Sure, sure, <laughs> and I, I, of course, I figured out I was a little oral slut back in the days because I went down on both my friends <laughs> at, at yeah. pre ten. Okay, I'm talking about like six, seven, eight, like oh, around wow. that age gap, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And then became very heteronormative because, again, talking about my age, there wasn't a lot around me other than my uncle who identified as uh, gay at the time, mm -hmm. right? And so that was my only exposure to homosexuality and I didn't have any other exposures and all my other friends sort of presented straight, but not really. At the end of the day, as we grew up, it was so funny, four out of five of us were bisexual, so go figure. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, uh, the idea though is that I, my sexual journey in conjunction with my craft journey is almost very similar in how fluid they are and how mm. they kind of ebbed and flowed. And so when working with the one-on-one -on -one journey and what felt really good there, and that transferred into the group stuff, which transferred into events, parties. Mm, right. Like I just loved putting on an outfit, going to like a club yeah. and having a play scene with somebody. And that was just my personal for shits and giggles, right? Or if I was hired, as Dominus and showing up and whatever character Dominus was showing up as, whether it was Rabbi Dominus or uh, Pool Boy Dominus or whatever it was, it, oh it's always God. something Dominus. So, I you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> Rabbi Dominus. Oh, so good. <laughs> Tell I me used, more. Oh my God. I actually <laughs> used my grandpa's uh, talus. Uh, don't be this. I grew up half Jewish, half Catholic. Don't ask how Puerto Ricans got Jewish, but we did. So there yeah, was, yeah. A, there was a, a marriage. We're somehow thing. everywhere. We just like <laughs> insidiously. <Yeah. laughs> it was a marriage conversion somewhere. And then so. Um, you know, I honored my grandfather wearing his towels being Rabbi Dominus. It was for a good cause, I always say. Oh um, my God. So, I can't yeah. even imagine. That's so funny. Like, Baruch <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude, on a cross and everything. So you're mixing in like cross elements, which so is, you know, not Judeo. It's more Christian, right? Yeah. And and then uh, mixing in Rabbi Dominus. So that was a good time. Oh, but, um, <laughs> That's I would, fun. A hundred percent. So I, whatever I did, whether I was being paid for it or personal, I tried to have as much fun with it. Mm -hmm. And that fun, that joy and that laughter that came across in my private work. Like a lot of my work is about finding your pleasure and it's not just sexual pleasure, but total pleasure Yeah. and how that manifests and being happy with yourself, being happy with your life and finding more joy in it. Right. And so whatever, whatever I was personally enjoying would show up in my work as well. You know, whether it's, oh, I love tantrics, I love getting lost in the vortex of energy. You know, I love sex education because I'm such a nerd when it comes to that stuff. Yes. You know, and I, I love to learn more about my own body. What can my body possibly do? And then when it came to the BDSM and kink, like just exploring more, playing with my switch side more. You know, mm -hmm. I was more dominant to begin with, but then playing with my switch side, seeing what it's like to be either receiving or submissive, whatever hat I'm wearing. Yeah, you I know? was wondering that, like, if you've played on, with both sides, because mm -hmm. um, they both offer something very different. Very. Yeah. And and again, my fluidity showed its its head again, right? Like, why am I staying stuck in one lane again? Uh, right. Why can't someone else drive the car for a moment? Let me see how that feels. <laughs> and yeah. just trying that out. And that felt really good. And yeah. being open to a lot of that gives me also a lot more language. I mean, the plethora mm -hmm. of language I have now is ridiculous because I'm trying all angles and seeing how they feel and experiencing because I've got this one life and you know, it's got one chance at it. I don't know what happens in the afterlife. I got some theories, but yeah, don't sure, know. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah, and so what is um what is Daddy's Retreat and Pagan's Paradise? So Daddy Retreat was born first. Um, I, I most of my career was been male dominated. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's by accident or by purpose, but that quadrant of folks who identify as such are the ones who tend to search more for sensual. Uh, tantric and erotic work it's mm. as we know is more so societal acceptance around that mm. you know if, if identified woman wants to pay for that kind of service there's a ton more judgment on it and whatever judgment we have on identified males we kind of always sweep it under the rug like oh whatever they're going to massage parlor like that's just a mindset you know the guys are going to be dogs anyways whatever it is whatever negative judgments we have on wanting 
someone to touch you in a sensual, erotic, or sexual way that society's put on it, we've sort of accepted that identified males are cool with that, right? And that's, that's that. So I'm trying to change that. Don't get it wrong. I'm trying to change that idea of framing that anyone should yeah. have access to this without judgment or shame. But that was my early career. That was yeah. who was hiring me. Well, and I guess, I guess like one of the big things that's come up for me and why I want to talk more about male folks and, and penis having folks is like, you know, there is a lot of acceptance within this small box of, I would say, heteronormativity of like, yeah. you know, being this like prototype of like the masculine male who's aggressive and who yeah. is sexual in nature and who like thinks with their penis. And, you know, there there's a lot of these um, sort of tropes that that but are very narrow. And so things yes. outside of that, however, like I would say any kind of exploration um, obviously from the outside as, as being a woman looking to the male experience is like, it feels like those are, are way more taboo than for women, um, in some aspects, depending on how, how you identify and, and where, you know, what your what community you're a part of. A hundred percent. And th thank yeah. you. That actually will go to where this connects is that that all male community for the most part will be identifying as gay or bisexual. You do have a lot Got of positive it. folks okay. who would see me. There's plenty of positive married men. Don't get it wrong. Um, you know, I've got a lot of folks that I, that I've been good with keeping their history as, as good as it should be, right. As, as sex workers should do, you know, <laughs> keep that stuff private, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, in that culture, in that realm, there was a lot of issues. The group I was working with, however good hearted they were, and inclusive in some areas, mm. in other areas they were not. It was that hyper-masculine, it was that fit body, it was that age, you know, preference mm -hmm. for folks. And so when I made Daddy Retreat, I had made it with a former business partner and the idea that he was older than me and I'm, you know, I'm getting older. I wanted a group that was fully inclusive and understanding that we age as males, that our desires are not what, you know, that frivolous instant club, swipe right, like there's meaningful interactions we are looking for, yeah. even if it's as hedonistic as it could be, you know, with other people around and dicks sure. all around and everyone's jerking each other off, there still should be some kind of meaning and some kind of bonding and emotional and spiritual connection to a lot of that. Mm. So we wanted to create a different mindset where any male identified person, including trans men and non-binary folks are, are, are totally welcomed and we are going to enjoy ourselves more than just surface. And so I want more depth. And so taking away this hyper masculinity, taking away the pressure of you need to have the, the hardest and biggest of dicks in order yeah. to feel pleasure in order and taking away pure penetrative acts as the, what we identify as sex. Yeah. And so that's how that group was born and creating a bigger, wider, more acceptable group that would give better ideas of what masculine, what male identify, what a lot of that should be instead of what it has been trope wise for a long time. From there, a lot of folks are asking me, hey, when are you gonna open that up to other genders? This is amazing. I feel a little left out. I'm like, I listen, man, I got so much time. I gotta build one egg first and you know, I gotta do that. And then I <laughs> sure. took that model and just built it with Pagan's Paradise, which is the, the all inclusive group, meaning anyone of any identity, any lifestyle orientation, and even within that group, we do have all, let's say, female identified, where anyone who identifies as female, we have space for that. Uh -huh. uh, folks who are T for T, trans for trans, we have space for that. And so we were having smaller spaces under the umbrella, but still mm -hmm. having groups that were fully inclusive. So the idea is that people can have a space that they like, but and people could still have a place where everyone meets. So the idea is to have all that variety there because I feel sex education, all the things we've kind of discussed, yeah. should be accessible to all in changing ideas of masculinity from a male identified person, how I grew up yeah. and how I was given that gift that I didn't have to present a certain way to be quote unquote, a macho man, you know, I, I just loved. needed to be me yes. and just express love, feel love and, and enjoy love. And that is something that is, I, I really enjoy what I'm creating, but not just myself, other people add to that, you know, it's happy that the community is accepting of that.
Yeah. And so what is this conversation? Because, you know, I think that this is really important work. And and I've talked about this for a while, but, you know, the Me Too movement, I think a huge piece of that is is dissecting what we put on to men and and how we talk about sex with men as well. Because, like, there's two sides of this coin. And in order to move forward into, like, a more consenting boundary, you know, um, society where people are focused on pleasure and they are focused on um, that connection it, like all all parties have to be involved in, yes. in the conversation and so I'm wondering like you know in this daddy's retreat and in, in Pagan's Paradise as you're opening it up to, to all, all folks you know what is the shift what is that specific shift that, that you're focusing on and what is the language that you're cultivating and this education that that you're providing and, and creating a space for so that we we can start shifting this narrative and allowing folks to have um, a more like a just a broader expression of who they are and what their pleasure can be. Yeah, so I think what was very amazing about the Me Too movement, amazing about any of these social justice, everyone sort of seeing what's power dynamic difference that has existed for such a long time that we're shifting. We're trying to create language around that uh, language that could be understood. The problem with language, it needs to be able to be understood. Yeah. And I think a lot of folks, they hear the word consent and don't get it wrong. I love consent. Consent doesn't leave the party. I'm just going to explain where I'm going with this. That word sometimes gets weaponized. That word sometimes gets very confused. And that word is almost created a, a counterculture of guys saying, I can't do anything. So I do something, you know, and then and, and all of a sudden I'm going to be blamed for whatever, right? So now we got a, a pushback from Neanderthals. So the idea is like, how do we, I don't mince my words. <laughs> no, no, um, I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Yes. So how do we, how do we get around that? And so what I try to teach people is that before you even can understand consent or how that moves in a way that is good for both parties, all parties, you have to first get mutual desire. Mutual desire is really the thing that is missing because a lot of folks who like, I, I say to myself, how did they not pick up the thousand different things that this person was giving out that they had zero interest in you? Mm-hmm. Like they just didn't have any interest in that way. And why aren't you seeing that they have no desire for this? Mm-hmm. They have no desire for you They have no desire for this. And just because you desire somebody doesn't mean that that is mutually there. Yeah. Our ego is such a strong factor in so much of this problematic society yeah. that we can't get out of our own way to understand that, oh shit, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. You know, I'm not always going to be, or right now, like that person could be anywhere in their life. They could be in a relationship. They could be not ready for something. Yeah. You know, understanding that. It's like that, a mine, mine, mine thing. Oh, too. Like ownership a, aspect of yeah, it. Absolutely. I find you attractive, therefore you owe me something. Right. Right. right? Um, I also got desperate dick problem. Right. If I don't get it now, I will never get it. So I'm going to be pushy about it. Yeah. So then, so folks get very desperate and they get very pushy, whether they're already on a date or not. And it's like, all you have to do is just be you. I know it sounds so ridiculous. Be relaxed and pick up some of the cues that are there. Problem is we have a terrible sex education system. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. That's the big, that's the big issue is that we have. And then we have a lot of religious folks, not to knock on religion, but they don't talk about sex other than you need to be married and God is watching you, right? Yeah. So the, that doesn't help anyone on earth living a real life with real hormones and real <laughs> desires and real brains. Yeah. So what do you do with that? So we have to have a be- better education on teaching mutual desire. Mm-hmm. And that's understanding your own true desires. Mm-hmm. Are you just trying to get your dick wet for the sake that you can tell people you got your dick wet? Right. What is it that you really find important? I get right. it, you're horny, but why do you want that to be superficial? Most of these folks who just go around and fuck and don't get it wrong. I'm, I'm all for that too. But if you ask a lot of them, how fulfilled is that? You know, when you go home, how much joy did you actually get out of that moment? How much pressure did you have in there? How much alcohol did you have to consume to even get, get going a certain way? And this is not knocking anything. I like my cannabis. I like my alcohol. Am I doing useful questions to ask and just introspection of like, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? (laughs) You know, correct. Who, what is it serving? Who is it serving? Yeah. And so when you start to pull back a lot of that and say like, hey, what is it you really want in life? Where are your actual pleasures? Mm-hmm. You know, are you stuck in a realm where you're afraid if someone puts a finger in your ass and I mean you're gay, what does that mean? 
like understanding your own body. Like a lot of guys, you know, they have apprehensions around certain things yeah. because they're like, oh, if I do that, that means I might be a sissy. Or if I do that, I mean, you know, we can go down this rabbit hole very deep. Yeah. It's trying to take away all of that and say, hey, what is your honest level of pleasure? Yeah. Okay, great. Now that we understand that. Do you want someone to feel violated by your actions? Sure. And just ask them that honestly. And I would say more often than not, most folks probably don't want to violate someone else. Yeah. I say that pre- people Hopefully. have been through traumatic stuff. Yeah. So that could be an influence. We can have vicious cycles out there. If those who are in trauma, who have been abused, can put that abuse onto someone else. Uh, there are predators out there who have all kinds of history. Nothing is black and white with that. And there's a ton of gray of why they got to that point. Sure. I think if we had a healthier society around sex and sexuality and openness oh to it. Oh my God, yes. Praise into the would, choir. <laughs> we would have less folks who are walking that path of destruction. And it's usually self-destruction because I can't imagine them being happy at the end of the day with that. Yeah. Right. Um, and those who have chemical imbalances, if we had a better understanding of saying, hey, mental health and those type of things are normal, yeah. and we normalize that, we can help those folks too. Yeah. And if we have people who had more agency over themselves and don't feel pressurized to go to a kegger and feel like they have to do something so they can be the cool person. Sure. Right? I mean, there's so many different avenues we can walk with that. But at the end of the day, we have to understand our own true desires and our own true pleasure and to know that, all right, cool. Can I honestly be open and talk about that with folks? And can I do that in ways that are appropriate yeah. as opposed to trying to hit on someone while you're at work or hit on someone who's just traveling yeah. on the train or someone who's on a treadmill trying to get their workout on. Right. And they're like picking and choosing like, you know, you got apps for a fucking reason. You know, I didn't have a swipe <laughs> right app. You do, you little fucks. Yeah. I mean, use the goddamn app. <laughs> and, like, and you have social places where people are going to meet other folks. Why don't you use those avenues? And if you're at a hobby place, a place that has hobbies and common interests, okay, why don't you then talk like a normal human like you don't want to have sex and see if you do have common interests. Sure. And so like that's where a lot of that language which I put in my classes like starts from. Yeah. To just find that common ground and to find a relationship-based interaction, even if it's to be for one night. Just see if you can actually mesh with somebody. And that's the language I'm working with. Yeah, I love that. Um, And and I love that shift. And and it really is sort of just I think the big thing that's coming up even around COVID right it's just like can you consider other people (laughs) and like can you be compassionate um and and just like not be the the only one that is in the room that matters um or in the world or in the country for sure uh and so okay I'd love to transition into um male anatomy penis having people's anatomy and and what you know, we've talked a lot about on this podcast, the linearity of how sex is presented, particularly in sex education, if people get that at all. Um, but then like, there's a point A to B, it usually if for like hetero, um, you know, sex, it's, it's ends with a male ejaculation. I mean, that's basically what I was told it's penetration. Um, maybe some foreplay in there, but like the meat of it, you know, the actual sex is this penetrative act that then ends with an ejaculation and and that that is reasonably um what the only option sort of for for penis having people is like this this trajectory and otherwise you know um there's not a much a lot of talk about the p-spot and and other aspects of of male pleasure so i'd love to dive into this multi-orgasmic male and these other aspects that are are available (laughs) to people who have penises um who can experience pleasure in other ways yes a hundred percent i think we are very limited in our knowledge of what the even the word orgasm is yeah Mm -hmm. and it was originally defined by ejaculation thank goodness webster dictionary picked it up by saying a seizure-like contraction that usually follows with ejaculation. I like that, but at least they did usually, right? So these are throwing in a word that uh, <laughs> might yeah, open the door that. for other possibilities. And you had that show that was popular, The Masters, or like the- Masters was, of the, Sex? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, they you know, were the first ones to really say, hey, let's study orgasms, let's study pleasure. And they started looking at that. For a long time, everyone thought women didn't have 
orgasms. They were right. just thought to be hysterical. hysterical. So we must use devices on them to cure them of created. hysteria. <laughs> I know. At least there was one good out of that, right? <laughs> yeah. But the idea is that we had to cure these women of hysteria because how can they possibly deal with their lives with that sexual tension? Yeah. So it, the idea is that we did not have a healthy understanding of that. And we forget anatomy-wise, we're just a chromosome away from different cells shaping differently. Right. And you can see that with people just taking hormone therapy, how it shapes their body differently. Yeah. So what's happening there? When we receive stimulus, it comes in from all areas. And so I teach this class by starting with that, dissecting orgasm, pulling mm -hmm. away from ejaculation. I'm like, take ejaculation, throw it to the back of the room for the moment. Yeah. Okay, we understand that. Y'all have been down that road already. Ejaculation <laughs> yeah. for penis owners, ejaculation for non-penis owners. Ejaculation exists for everyone, actually. Yeah. Um, it just shows up in different forms. Sure. So, okay, we have thousands of receptors coming in and I'm talking about your entire body and all that's coming into through the skin, wherever that skin lives and all that enters into whatever the closest cluster of nerve endings are. So you're mm. thinking about groin that goes towards the hip pelvic structure. You're thinking about nipples that's going more towards the shoulder uh, structure and that's diving into um, the spine, which then goes to the mother brain. And that's literally where everything goes towards. Your entire experience of who you are and everything comes to the brain. Mm. Your brain translates that, translates on previous history, it translates on new stimulus, right? And tries to figure it out. Yeah. So there's a lot of things always coming in at once. So where does your orgasm really live? It lives in your brain and then it translates to the body. And so your body experiences things and it's not local. I explain this in the most simplest of ways. When you have your quote unquote traditional orgasm, that is an orchestra playing. In an orchestra, there are numerous different musical devices that are being played. Sure. What if I was to take away a bunch of those musical devices and just have a violin playing and you were just to focus on the violin yeah. and have that experience in that orgasmic way? What if we set a piano? All right, now focus on that. What if I combine two instruments to give you a different input? So it's like saying, all right, what if we did a mental orgasm, which happens? Yeah. Think of those who listen to autoerotica. Think of those who do phone sex. Think of those who just watch a porno and are super excited and turn on. You know, think of, think of BDSM. It's a huge one. I could tie someone down and barely touch the genitals. And I've had people who have ejaculated just from overstimulating of the brain. Mm -hmm. Think of American Pie, that movie, where the guy's about to get touched, you know, Jason Biggs, right? His character. And yeah. he just like shoots the load prematurely because he was just so excited mentally. He didn't get touched in his dick, right? And this happens to a lot of folks where you just have ejaculation without touching there. So what's going on? It's the brain that is doing that. Foodgasms, that's a real thing. Yeah. When you eat it, it is definitely dropping into different hormones and different things that your body is experiencing. And you can, and I've done this before, go to restaurants and have very inappropriate mealtimes. Where I'm just <laughs> indulging in the food. Oh and like, Oh my God. <laughs> and, and, and if you really take each note in, you're like, this chef has just fucked my, me thoroughly, right? Yeah. And, totally. and enjoy and indulge that, you know, what if I told you I just did a skin orgasm, purely did plays and you're having goosebumps everywhere. Those are seizure-like contractions followed by a release. Thank you, Webster. And so the <laughs> idea is that those things are happening there. What if I said that we can train your body to what it's used to in the familiar? What do you do during your orgasm? Does your stomach contract? Do your glutes contract? Do your quads contract? Why don't we just mimic some of that? Why don't we induce body orgasm without the ejaculatory part of it? And have your body go through an orgasm where it goes through waves where and it kind of you, like how do you stimulate that those kind of contractions is it like actual manual stimulation yeah so a lot of times i teach people so there's a dance to this right mm. so there's the breath component whenever you do a dance there's breath components to it also yeah. right there's a holding your body and creating vibrational patterns uh creating patterns in general of uh, frequencies and then within that you're moving your system in the whole entire way because we're vibratory to begin with. All our cells are vibrating. When they're not, they're dead. And so that, and then usually things work in pattern. Your heart is constantly in a pattern. Guess what happens when it's out of pattern? You might be in trouble. Yeah. So we are very pattern-based creatures and we take in sound that way. We take in all kinds of those patterns. So when we induce that by body movement, by mm -hmm. breath movements, whether short breath breathing, whether gasping for air, you know, things or right. like screams or grunts or moans and to inducing that kind of mental state. Now I'm using my body and I'm moving my hips a certain way. Mm. So if I'm masturbating my genitals, I can then move my body in that rhythm, in that pattern. Mm. I can then control those things on my own. We think of those movements only existing with another partner. You can totally right. do a masturbatory dance 
And that masturbation can be off your genitals, can be on your skin, and you're just thinking about things. You're bringing in, inviting that energy. But if you're doing internal play, whether it's doing your own kegels to get a, a communication with that root energy, to feel your prostate, if you're a prostate owner, what if I put something in my butt to really now directly stimulate it, and now I've got prostate activation, mm-hmm. and then I can feel that and that flow. And what if I just play with my testicles for a minute? Just give that singular love. What if I touched my my penis like it was a clit or it was vulva mm-hmm. and just gave it a different flow? Because you can do that, right. you know? And then the idea is like, what if I just touch myself in ways that are more expansive? And now I added my breath again. And my original tensions walking into that moment was to feel that pleasure, was to move that way. And now I think of orgasmic state and I try to breathe to get myself into an orgasmic state. Orgasmic state can be there for a long time, which is why people fall in love with tantra sex or tantric movement, because it doesn't have a goal of ejaculation. If that happens, it happens, but that's not the goal. The goal is self-expression. The goal is balance. The goal is healing. The goal is connective, connecting to cosmic energies and connecting to a person, connecting to yourself and feeling everything from head to toe, literally breathing into that experience, giving life to your sexuality, giving life to your divine self, making it sacred. And that's where a lot of why I try to teach folks in the multi-orgasmic male is to pull back the original tropes of what orgasm is and give yourself more body language that has already existed. Mm. It's just now you're identifying it like a scientist would identify something that's there when they're studying. It's been there. That energy has been around since the dawn of time. It's just having a better focus and a better lens as opposed to the one that was performative. Right. Right. For a long time, it's performative. Yeah. Like, I can yeah, see yeah. the cum. Therefore, right. that's my orgasm. Right. I guess that, yeah, like, I love that um, distinction because I, I think for all genders, we can relate to this performative aspect of, like, you know, vocality or whatever it looks like that it's supposed to be so that it, it I don't know, has that, that lens to it. But so in this, this other stimulation, you know, um, what does it mean? Because I think like, because ejaculation is so hammered in (laughs) that it has to be like the finale, that it is like the biggest thing, you know, what, if, if it's not the focus, like what, I mean, are you still tapping into, into that, that, that pleasure that feels like it's at the core of whatever whatever that orgasmic state you know that release is like is that still being cultivated yes it is finding that heightened pleasure Mm -hmm. because when you do intentional time you do it for a reason i'm going to go to the gym am i doing it just to go to the gym just to show up or am i trying to affect change Mm -hmm. am i trying to get some sort of positive outcome from that experience and that positive outcome could be a variety of things. When we think of sex, the positive outcome has always been male ejaculation, done and done. Yeah. But what if it was more than that? What if my positive outcome was a lot more and I went into it with better intentions, right? What if I didn't ejaculate? Can I still say I had a great time? Fuck yeah, you can. I mean, <laughs> there's yeah. plenty of times that I withhold. I mean, even in my craft, when people are mutually touching me, I'm not looking to ejaculate all day. I mean, I would fucking be, my nuts would be done by the end of the night. So the idea is that... <laughs> I, I, but I still experienced great flow and great energy. And not only that, when people have ejaculation, I, I, I custom it towards, you know, when you have a birthday party or something like that and everyone's at the party and what happens when cake hits? People yeah. get their slice of cake and everyone bounces, right? right. The it's party's like the end finished. Of the party. yeah. yeah. It's the cake. So that's what ejaculation is for most folks sexually. And yeah. even more so with male identifiers because the second they ejaculate, they want all engines to stop, no longer touch their dick, get away. It's right. too sensitive. They can't handle it. Right. So they sh- and they shorten their own orgasmic experience by doing that, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, you ejaculate for what, 10 seconds tops if you're, if you're, if you're a unicorn? There's usually a couple of pumps <laughs> yeah. and you're done. Right? It's like right. two, three seconds, it's done. Right? right. But your orgasm can be for minutes and a lot longer if you just went through that wave and continued the stimulation. What if after ejaculation, I still kept playing with that person. I still kept kissing. I still right. kept touching. And so what if my erection went away? Right. Who cares? Right. You can still give pleasure. The pleasure is not based around it. Your dick is just an apparatus at the end of the day. Right. 
the point right, of right. that moment is to receive pleasure. And that can come from any way that that manifests, whether it's just sexy massage together, yeah. whether we're just foot rubbing, whether we're rubbing our asses together or making out or whatever it is, you just create pleasure and enjoy pleasure. That should be what it is. Yeah. Everything else, we're putting conditions, yeah. making our sex conditional. We're making right. our love conditional. Right. And, that, and that to me is what sets up a lot of bad experiences for many folks and comparative. So that performance stuff is comparative politics. Yeah. Oh, I didn't squirt like the other person squirted, so therefore it didn't happen. Or I'm not as big as that person, therefore my dick can't do this. Or I'm not as whatever, such and such, right? Right. And, and go down that line. And so instead of just enjoying pleasure for pleasure's sake and sharing in that, we have all these conditions, we have all these little ticks that we need to click off on a, on a sheet of like, oh, we had yeah. successful sex. Right, we I did used, it. Check. We did Check. it. I used to have a partner who was super orgasmic. Our define of sex was like, if we were someplace and we were trying to have outdoor sex, it would be me just touching this person in their privacy and they have an experience. I'm like, that was sex. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, guys, yeah. Did somebody have an experience? Did mm -hmm. we both, both enjoy it? Were we both having fun in that moment? Right. And if the answer is yes, boom, you had sex. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's stop defining it by, by penis and vagina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think that that gives everybody just more. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, the term virgin drives me crazy. Oh, um, you know, it, I hate it. it's, 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 it's like this performative, like scary barrier as well. And it also, it, it does, Control. it limits this experience. Yeah. It really like puts a lid on, on, um, exactly what you were talking about. Like, and, and I think that that's like, I love, I love everything you're talking about because it's true. The, the ejaculation is like 10 seconds and it is and then it's just like over and you're like but there's but so, so much <laughs> there's so much here and I you know like even I think for me too in my journey of, of of exploring like what is on the other side of of my like sort of release as well like it doesn't just end and I think I've been more taught that but like to keep that message going for penis having people of like it can it can be this longer more intimate yeah. more connected experience and 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 how gratifying is that <laughs> you know more fulfilling like oh and take away the pr pressure let's say your dick yeah. isn't getting hard that day i can't tell you there's sometimes where i'm exhausted other things cooking and yeah my dick may not be at it's 100 percent because of numerous factors i'm a biological being i'm not a robot right there isn't one singular button you press to get it going yeah. does that mean I, does that mean i'm less interested in my right. partner no does it mean i'm not sexually excited or aroused no yeah so why are we super you know, focus on just erectile stuff, whether yeah. it's a clitoris that's getting erect or a dick that's getting a penis that's getting erect, right? Yeah. However, which way you want to look at that. Why can't we just say, ooh, are we enjoying what's happening? Great. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Let's just have fun. Yeah. And then if, if you have a chronic problem with an erection, then obviously seek your doctor and see what's going on with that. Or seek what's going on. Why do you think that's happening? Are yeah. you putting undue pressure on yourself? Yeah. Or is this so many other factors? Are you actually comfortable with this partner? Is there something else that you, I always tell people, I have an emotional dick. If it's not getting erect for non-exhaustive reasons, it means it has picked up on something. Yeah. My dude has picked up on energy and is like, <laughs> yeah. this does not feel right. Something doesn't feel yeah. good. Either A, this person doesn't want this right now. Because even if it's with a partner, people aren't always honest because they're like, oh, we should yeah. be having sex. Instead of saying, do you really want to have sex? Is right. there something that's going on with you? Please tell me. So this way we don't have to do that right now. We don't have right. to have penetration. And so picking up on those things rather than forcing something that is just negative pooling, right? Yeah. And so being aware of that and knowing that, hey, there's always another way to play and there's always tomorrow. Yeah. I think if penis owners really focus in on that mindset, your interactions are so much easier yeah. and your ability to harm someone else, do, you know, your risk assessment drops, right? Because you're yeah. paying attention to their needs and to their yeah. actual wants, desires, and you're gonna be more fulfilled. You're like, shit, I can have all kinds of sex without worrying about, you know, what my dick's doing. Like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. How nice. It's like, yeah, yeah, just like take, yeah, take off the pressure. Yeah, it's amazing. 100%. Um, well, this has been absolutely delightful. Thank you for taking, taking so much time. Where can people find you if they're interested in working privately or in your, um, you know, online classes for now, hopefully? We're yes. In so a variety of avenues. Uh, my name, DominusEros.com. Uh, that's one way you can get into me that has a one-stop shop. Um, there's also all my social media is at the same handle. So it's Dominus Eros, P-R-O-D. 
the like uh, like productions, but P-R-O-D. Mm-hmm. So if you get Dominoceros P-R-O-D, that's all my social media, whether you're talking about Twitter, um, Instagram, such and such. Um, you can just message me on any of those formats, say where you got my information from, and then we can talk about um, seeing what kind of events and classes that I run, how you can join them live stream. If you want to do one-on-one live stream, we do that. And if you happen to be in the New York City area or would like to make a trip here, let me be part of your destination. And I can see you also for one-on-one experiences. Amazing. Um, well, this has been just absolutely delightful. Thank you so much again. Yay. Thank you. This was an absolute pleasure. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> That was so good. Thank you so much for coming on, Dominus. Uh, I had just such a blast talking with you and learning so much. And so much of it you you think or I would think would be kind of, I don't know, like we would get this knowledge. Like it's just like makes sense. But it's so nice hearing it and getting to talk it out and really, really understanding sort of how to put put it into practice. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately that's a lot of what this whole podcast has been about. But I think, you know, this one particularly for me uh, was a little bit more revelatory on the like, oh, there's all these things about my own body that no one has told me. Yeah. (laughs) And it's and it's great to hear from someone that has been like, I I, I know this type of stuff. And here you go. Great. Oh, cool. Now I have a little gifts of knowledge I can go maybe try to figure out on my own. Yeah, exactly. Little nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that was so awesome. So as always, please follow us on social media at Finding My Yum Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. We post behind the scenes, uh, little clips, quotes, etc. So join our community, slide into those DMs. We love to hear from you. Um, and then check us out on YouTube. You can see our pretty faces as we talk uh, during the intro and outro and to all different kinds of guests. So check it out please subscribe um, and join our community there. We would love it. Yeah, and if you uh, have suggestions for guests or want to leave some feedback, uh, feel free to do that uh, through our email. Um, you can do that at findingmyyum at gmail.com. And as always, we are a podcast, so rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And share with some friends. Yeah. Um, yes, we would love for you to do that. And as always, please stay yummy, stay safe, We'll see you in a couple weeks, and I'm sure so many new things will have happened (laughs) because everything is changing so rapidly. So we'll see you then. Yay!